Hi, welcome to the Speaking Postpartum Podcast, hosted by myself, Ryan Speak, where women share their stories about their postpartum journeys. Come along with me to listen to their stories of the struggles, the joys, and the many things that go unsaid when it comes to postpartum. This is Speaking Postpartum. On today's episode, my husband Justin interviews me about my experiences with postpartum. I'm excited for you all to get to hear more of my story and so much of why I started the podcast. I'll get into my experience with anxiety and intrusive and obsessive thoughts and how I prepared myself the second time around in postpartum. Before the interview gets started, I'd love if you tap the follow or subscribe button so you can know when new episodes are released. And for more content, follow my Instagram page at Speaking Postpartum. Without further ado, here's my interview about my postpartum journeys. Hi, Justin. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Ryan. Thank you for letting me help host the podcast this week. Uh, Can you just tell us a little bit about you and our family? Yeah. So my name is Ryan. I am the host of the Speaking Postpartum podcast. Um, I developed this podcast because uh, I think the postpartum journey is rarely talked about. I did not feel prepared for my first postpartum journey and, um, I did for my second. And I knew that part of that was listening to other people's experiences and hearing about other people's, the things that they went through. Um, and so I felt like something like this was needed where we have these conversations about the hard things and the, the crazy things that you go through and yeah. So I have um, two kids. I have Jude, who's three, and Luca, who is four months tomorrow. And I am married to you, Justin, who is interviewing me right now. Um, We've been married for four and a half years. And yeah. Do you think you could share just a, a bit about what your pregnancies and the births were like for Jude and Luca? So for Jude, pregnancy was the hardest thing in the world. I was not at all prepared for pregnancy. Um, I think because we got married so young at 22 and we got pregnant with Jude at six months into that. Um, I was freshly 22, still in school, um, still trying to figure out what I wanted to do. None of our friends were even married yet. None of our friends were let alone close to having kids. Um, and so I didn't really think that I had much to go off of when it came to knowing about what to expect in pregnancy, um, and what to expect in the postpartum life. And so everything that came at me felt so unknown and it felt so like I didn't have the answers for with Jude. I was so sick all the time. Um, I threw up from eight weeks to 30 weeks and uh, like things were just so complicated. Like I would look on the internet for remedies for trying to not throw up, but they weren't helpful because in reality what I needed was like a prescription for Zofran because I was so sick. Um, And I think that made things really hard just in pregnancy, you know, throwing up for 20 plus weeks and, um, falling and passing out in a restaurant by myself and hitting my head and being taken by an ambulance, emergency room. Um, 
then at 30 weeks getting bronchitis and coughing so much, I threw up all the time. And then that throw up, throwing up caused me to break a rib. Like there was just so much that happened that I didn't think was going to happen because I hadn't met anybody else who experienced those things. And I hadn't really heard anybody else's experiences with them in general. Um, I think partly because we were so young and there wasn't so many people around us. Um, and partly because it's just not available. That's not like available information all the time. People usually just talk to somebody else, like their doctor about it or whatever, not necessarily like put it out into the world for other people to learn from. Um, and then my pregnancy with Luca, I knew that Zofran would help. And so I immediately asked my doctor for it. I threw up for a couple of weeks, got the prescription for Zofran, um, after like a whole weekend of like, couldn't keep anything down. And then, uh, the Zofran helped. I still threw up till 28 weeks, I want maybe 24, 24 weeks. I think I threw up till 24 weeks with Luca, but it was not nearly as bad. It wasn't every meal I ate. I could actually keep things down. The Zofran totally helped to, um, suppress the nausea. If I took it on time every day at the right time, um, I could make sure it wasn't going to happen. And so I felt a lot more prepared for that. And pregnancy with her was just a lot easier, I think, because of COVID, we were home all the time. And um, in one sense, there was like a lot of unknown and scary things because of COVID. But on the other hand, we could be safe at home and we knew um, being home was the best choice all the time. And my body enjoyed being home. I got to lay down more. I didn't have to be on my feet as much. Um, yeah. And then for their births, I think that with Jude, my water broke. At, my water started leaking at like 5 p.m. on my birthday. And then uh, my mom noticed and made us go to the hospital. About We got to the hospital, I think, about 7.30. And the hospital was so full. And I think that this goes into my postpartum experience. But the hospital was so full that they had us wait in the waiting room before I could even be checked in after I told them, I think my water broke. And so before we could even be triaged, we sat in the waiting room. And then, uh, once we got called back, maybe like 30 minutes later, the nurse was like, no, your water didn't break. <laughs> and, then, and then, uh, I was like, Oh, so weird. I must, I must've just peed myself. This is really embarrassing. Can we go to Ruth's Chris now and get our steak, um, for my birthday? And then as soon as I got up, my water fully broke everywhere and the nurse had me sit back down and she was like, okay, you're staying, you're going into labor. Um, and then from that point, it was probably like 8.30 and then I got, the hospital was so full and busy that I didn't get moved back um, until like one-ish. And then I got hooked up to Pitocin and after like five minutes, my contractions really intensified. I got an epidural. Um, and within like 30 minutes, I went from like a four to a 10 and started pushing and Jude was born at 7 a.m. <laughs> so for a first baby, his birth was really quick and pretty easy. Um, I didn't have to deal with the, like Natal in her episode, the 60 hours of labor and going to the hospital multiple times. Um, I didn't have to deal with that with my first baby, thankfully. And then with Luca, I think the biggest things that were really hard were um, she was on the low end of the growth curve. And so they kept 
like prodding and poking and telling me I needed to go get things checked out and I had to go to multiple um, uh, uh, advanced fetal medicine doctors to get her checked out and ultrasounds to make sure she's growing right. But it turns out I just, our family grows petite girls. That's apparently what has happened to my mom, my aunt, everybody. That's just my family. And she just was on the petite side, um, but super healthy. And that put up a little bit of worry, I think. Um, and then her birth was super chill and easy. Um, I couldn't have asked for a better birth with, with um, one day just feeling totally normal and walking around our neighborhood to going to In-N-Out at five o'clock and being like, oh, these contractions feel a little bit little bit more intense than the other Braxton Hicks I was having. Um, eating, coming home, eating my in and out. This is like 6.30, eating my in and or six o'clock, eating my in and out. Then at 6.30, hmm, these contractions are like five minutes apart. That's weird. And having my mom come check them and, and telling her to, um, she, she was like, Let, lay down. My mom is a labor and delivery nurse for 12 years. Then she also teaches a birth class. Um, so she knows her stuff. She's also currently a um, high-risk OB case manager. So my mom has seen it all and heard it all. And so she came in and she was like, okay, you're definitely in labor. You should go to the hospital. Your contractions are less than five minutes apart now. So uh, we went to the hospital at like 7 p.m. And uh, Luca was born at midnight on the dot. And it was ridiculously fast. <laughs> and it was pretty easy. Uh, I don't really know why, but... I don't know. I think I just loved, I loved the experience of Jude's birth so much that I was bound, like I wanted so badly for Luca's experience to be even better. And it was, um, and I think part of that was just my mindset and stuff like that. So second babies really fly out. How would you say, how would you describe your, your postpartum experience then with both kids? I think, uh, when Jude was born, um, like I said, the hospital was super full. And when we got moved to recovery, we got moved to the NICU postpartum wing um, because the hospital was so full. And I ended up, the first day was fine. Um, it, like right after he was born, he latched immediately. That was super easy. Um, and then it kind of felt like where we were in recovery in the NICU recovery, we kind of were ignored. Um, and we, when Luca was born and we were in the hospital, we talked to our postpartum nurse about this, but like my postpartum experience in the hospital with Jude and with Luca were vastly different. Um, with Jude, they treated us kind of like somebody who's been through this a million times, even though it was like our first go around. And then with Luca, they treated us like, so they were so informative and they were helpful and they kept coming to check on us and we didn't have to ask for anything. The nurses were so great. Um, and I don't know if it was just being in the NICU versus not in the NICU. Um, the Jude wasn't a NICU baby. The hospital was just so full that that was the only bed available. Um, and so it was weird being there because I think they were kind of treating us like he was a NICU baby, which was super weird. Um, the biggest thing was that 
uh, my OB uh, discharged us after 24 hours. And he said, as long as the, the pediatrician says it's fine, you guys can all go home after 24 hours. You don't have to stay in the hospital. And we were like, okay, cool. So he discharged me. And then the pediatrician came back and said like, oh, the jaundice levels are a little high. So we want to keep him overnight. And the nurse, uh, I think wasn't just fully informed or she had a bad day or whatever, but it seemed like she kind of took it out on us. And she said, okay, so you guys are going home and he's staying here and we're going to put him in the nursery. And I remember like that moment was my first moment of like pure anxiety. Um, because I was so confused, like what, there's nothing wrong with him. Why, why wouldn't I stay here with him? Why do I have to leave? Why is he staying? Um, and it just felt so unclear. And the nurse was like, I don't know, you guys just, you guys just have to go and you're going to be discharged and he's going to stay here and he can stay in the nursery. And she left and she left the room. And I immediately remember I like started bawling and I was like, why are you taking my baby from me? Like, I literally just had this baby less than 24 hours ago and you're telling me I need to leave and he's going to stay here for some unknown reason. Um, and we got on the phone with your grandma who isn't, who was an ICU nurse, my mom, who was the labor and, who was a labor and delivery nurse. And then your mom, who was also a lawyer. <laughs> and it's combined. We are terrible people to be, um, in the hospital with, <laughs> with all of the people in our experience. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my mom said, okay, ask them if they're going to do anything. And, you know, your grandma and your mom were really informative about like, okay, you can't, you, he, they can't just like keep him for no reason and whatever. And so we asked the nurse, like, well, are you going to do anything tonight? And she was like, no, we're just going to keep him there. And we said, well, then why is he still, like, why wouldn't we just bring him back in the morning if there's an issue? And I said, are you going to put him on the lights? Are you going to be doing anything? So no, he's just going to sleep in the nursery. You can sit in a rocking chair in the nursery though. That was the first moment of like pure mama bear rage where I was like, I'm not just going to sit in a rocking chair all night. I had a baby less than 24 hours ago. You can't just kick me out of the hospital. Up until two hours ago, my doctor said, as long as everything's fine, you can leave. And everything is all of a sudden not fine. So I'm not leaving. And the nurse was like, well, we kind of need your room. So like you need to go. And I think that moment was really like the first real moment where the anxiety kicked in that I feel like I experienced throughout my postpartum with Jude. Um, I don't know if that triggered it or if it was always going to be there, but that was the first moment where all of a sudden I started feeling fear for my baby. Um, and who's to say that it triggered it and who's to say that you know, it would have triggered itself other ways. But, you know, I think it did. It was a trigger. That was that feeling kicked off before that. I was feeling totally fine. I was happy. I was happy to have a baby. But, um, yeah, I think that that kicked off a lot of anxiety. Um, that just that moment right there. And then it turned out we told, I, I called my, we called our doctor, my OB. And the OB was like, no, I'll just reverse the discharge. You can stay there. And that's what ended up happening. And the nurse was cranky about it. And I don't know why. Um, it was just a really weird experience. I don't know why she was so cranky about it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, 
I was ready to fire her. (laughs) (laughs) And then I think, you know, I'll get into it a little more, but um, I do think that that kicked off a lot of anxiety I had with Jude, um, a lot of fear, um, intrusive thoughts and obsessive thoughts about harm coming to him. And those are primarily like the issues that I had postpartum with him. Um, it wasn't so much like a physical, but more of like the mental physiological response to, I think this moment, um, it feels pretty defining now when I look back on it. And then with Luca, I think that I just, you know, I was in school for psychology, applied psychology. So it's like this sector of psychology that not only are you learning about psychology, but you're learning about these counseling techniques. And, um, you know, it's like, it's like an intro to an MFT program almost. And I think that doing that while I was pregnant with her really led to me being able to cope better, cope through COVID better, cope with pregnancy through COVID better. Um, I think that I learned so many things that I was able to apply um, to help me in pregnancy and help my mind in pregnancy to be more prepared for my postpartum experience with her. And so I think that's why I'm not as triggered as I was. And maybe like my experience was better. My experience post-birth was better. I think that that experience where the nurse was like trying to take my baby from me or how I saw it post giving birth and being awake for the entire night, um, that all really triggered me. And so I think maybe not having that experience this time around didn't, there wasn't like a trigger for that. Um, and I just knew how to handle those thoughts better. Yeah. You talked about with, with Jude, you talked about, um, obsessive and intrusive thoughts and you said you're going to kind of expand on that later. And so I just want to give you that space to, to talk about that. Yeah, I think, I, I think that I've had anxiety my whole life and I'm familiar with it. Um, but I wasn't familiar with it in this sort of capacity. This was a very different kind of anxiety and it was unfamiliar. And so as a first time mom, I thought, well, this is just, this must just be how people feel. Like when you've had a baby, like you have, you have a new life. And so you must feel anxious about every little thing. And you must be scared that when he leaves in the car with somebody else, he's going to get in a car accident and die. Um, you must be afraid of everything. Um, and things were just so triggering. Like just, I couldn't stop my thoughts from like going down a rabbit hole. So it'd be like you and Jude would go on a walk to Starbucks and I'd be so scared that like in the middle of the street, a car would come out of the way and hit you guys. And that would just be the end of your lives. And I would obsess over these thoughts and I would just let them spin out of control and into like a deep hole. And then on top of that, Jude was a terrible sleeper um, unless he was sleeping on me. So I feel like I was getting no sleep. And we know that lack of sleep will intensify anxiety. And so I remember like very specific things. I had so many nightmares when I would sleep. It made it hard to sleep. I never wanted to go to sleep because I, he would like wake up crying 
And I didn't know how to cope with a baby waking up crying. That like flight response would kick in. That fight or flight response would kick in when you wake up and all of a sudden there's a baby crying and you're like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And you can't stop him from crying. He would just cry. And so I think all of those things combined, the lack of sleep, the obsessive thoughts, the um, listening to a baby cry and not being able to help it all kicked in into this overdrive manifestation of anxiety for me. And I feel like that's really where things went wrong for me. Um, I think that I could have probably checked my, my anxiety and obsessive thoughts pretty quickly had I realized that that wasn't just a normal thing. But again, none of our friends had had babies. Nobody had ever talked to me about this stuff. Um, I didn't, I didn't hear these kinds of stories of people going through these kinds of things. So I just thought like, this is super normal, I guess. And I don't know. And, you know, I'd have these weird obsessive thoughts, but at the same time, I'd be like, well, like, doesn't every mom, like I've heard moms talk about how much they worry about their kids. So like, this just must be what being a mom is like. And I would, I would ignore things because I thought that this was normal um, because I hadn't heard otherwise. And, uh, you know, with Jude, my, the pediatrician gave us the one um, postpartum follow-up questionnaire and my OB gave me one postpartum question up follow, question, follow-up questionnaire. And it didn't feel like, I know that the, it's like the Edinburgh scale I know that like, you know, it's the, it's the thing that you do, but even at six weeks, I didn't really feel quite as like things didn't feel quite as intense as they did, you know, three months in when you're still not sleeping. Um, and so like when I got it at six weeks, I really needed it at three or four months. I needed it at six months. I needed it you know, when I was in the thick of it, not like when I'm still on an adrenaline high from having a baby. And so not having, I think not having that follow-up was probably what really did me in. And then also like the questionnaire, not having to do with anxiety really messed me up too, because I thought, all that there was was really postpartum depression and I didn't feel depressed. I felt really happy about having Jude. I was just always scared um, and anxious. And so I didn't, you know, it wasn't like it was hard for me to get out of bed. It wasn't like I was sad. It wasn't like I was crying. I was really happy and I loved having Jude. I was just scared. And so I was scared of things happening to him. I was scared of like, the what ifs that would spiral and none of those, none of the scales asked those kinds of questions. When Lutra was born and in the time since then, have you felt like you've had those intrusive thoughts uh, or those obsessive thoughts again? I think that for one, I, I, for whatever reason, whether it's in my control or out of my control, I haven't had any sort of traumatic trigger like I felt like I had with June. And so I think that not having something to trigger me um, 
was obviously a benefit. I felt safe, but I also have felt like I know what I'm doing. And so I don't have to worry. And I've been through it before. And I also have better control over my thoughts. I think going through the program that I went through for school really set me up for success. Um, A lot of the program was courses that were very self-focused. So while I learned about other people, I also always had to apply those things to myself. And going through that in a pandemic, especially the last two semesters, really helped me to prepare in the sense that I knew how to identify negative thoughts. I knew how to identify intrusive thoughts. And so even throughout my pregnancy, um, I would, you know, do this thing where if I felt a twinge of pain somewhere in my back or a Braxton Hicks that was slightly uncomfortable, if I felt these twinges of pain, I would stop myself from thinking a negative thought about them, right? I would start by thinking, I would identify it like, okay, there's a pain in my back, obviously. And uh, like, but that pain in my back is actually benefiting me because it's going to bring me my baby. It's, it's part of growing a human being. It's part of being pregnant. So that pain is doing something good. Um, and so I would st- stop my bad thought about that pain and kind of reframe it into being a positive thought about like channeling that pain into something better, which I also think helps me in labor too. Um, and I do think, I really do believe that, you know, a positive birth experience leads to a positive postpartum experience. And I do feel like I had a really positive birth experience with Luca. And I think part of that was that I had I had, I felt like for the first time I had, um, rain over my thoughts that my, my thoughts weren't some wild horse that I had no control over, but I, I truly knew how to rein them in, um, and hold on to them and channel them the way that they needed to be channeled. Um, and I think so much of that was setting up during my pregnancy for my postpartum in working on my mental health, working on my thoughts, working on, um, knowing that. I've had this experience before with anxiety and I didn't want to have that experience again. I think the first time with Jude that I felt anxiety free was, um, I was 10 and a half months postpartum and we were preparing to go to Europe and it's not flying that brings me anxiety, but traveling. And I love to travel. I love to go places. I want to travel the world, but traveling brings me anxiety. And especially at that time, traveling brought me anxiety because I kept thinking of the worst case scenarios. And we were going to Europe. We were going to Greece and Italy. And I've, I think I've always been this way. You know, we've, we've flown other places before and I start to have anxiety before traveling. Um, and so I took an Ativan, which we have for emergency panic attacks, anxiety attacks. We had Ativan on hand. And so I took one of the Ativan. And I remember saying to you, oh my gosh, is this how I'm always supposed to feel? Like a couple hours after taking it. And I was like, wait, I can physically breathe and I'm happy and I don't feel anxious all of a sudden. And I remember talking to you about it like, wait, I think I'm supposed to feel this way. And for a couple of days, I took that out of van, out of van um, 
on our trip. Like we got there and I took it and I took it for a little while there. And I felt like that kind of almost like reset me. Um, it gave me a moment to think clearly and um, be aware of what was going on inside of my mind instead of diving into the fear of it all. It gave me this moment of clarity to really process through like, why have I been afraid this whole time? Like, why have I, why have I been having these thoughts? And, you know, mind you, we're on vacation (laughs) in Greece when I'm figuring all of this out in my mind. But I think that moment was a really defining moment for me that, oh, I haven't, this isn't just what it's, this isn't what it's like. This isn't what you're supposed to feel like. It was that first moment of feeling really, I don't know, like, like I wasn't um, caving to anxiety anymore. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that that trip was your, your first maybe experience feeling like sort of stress-free, because that trip itself wasn't free from anxiety in a lot of ways. Uh, our, our first experience in Greece was finding out that our Airbnb was not at all as advertised. No, um, our first experience in Greece was getting picked up by a neo-Nazi right. shady man in a in a smoke-filled yeah. car yeah. to get a cab ride from the airport to our Airbnb. With with it was the only taxi in Greece that had a car seat, but you had to put the car seat in because you put it in wrong, if I remember correctly. And, yes. And we had to pull off in the middle of the road and he made a racist comment about yeah. where we pulled off. So yeah. that was the first, that was the okay. real first That's a good experience. Point. That's a good point. But it's not like the whole trip. I mean, it was a great trip and we loved yeah. it, but it's not like the trip didn't have stressors and, and potential triggers. And yet yeah. that was the moment. I think that's really interesting. Oh yeah. Our shady Airbnb was really weird that we left the next morning after getting some sleep. We were like, mm, let's go to a hotel. Sleep. We really didn't. That was a stressful night of sleep. Yeah. Is that? But, um, you know, not everyone who listens to this podcast will be a woman uh, on the uh, postpartum journey. Uh, there are some husbands like me who listen to the podcast, not just because I'm your husband, but because I think people think it's important. And I wonder for those people, if you think in those 10 and a half months of anxiety that you felt postpartum with Jude, was there something that you think would have been helpful for someone on the outside to have been able to say or do or ask or reach into? Or was that just your journey to work through? I think, you know, there's a little bit of both. On one hand, it was my journey to work through. And like I said, I thought that this was completely normal. Um, I don't feel like I had ever, I don't feel like, you know, I thought something was wrong. I thought that this was kind of normal and this was what people dealt with. I think it would have been most helpful um, earlier on to have known that it wasn't so normal. Um, I don't feel like I had a lot of resources. I remember looking up, I like was Googling, trying to find like a book on postpartum. Um, not like breastfeeding, not, you know, workouts, not those sorts of things, but something that was like about postpartum, like these are the things that you could go through. These are the things. And this was three, three years ago now. And so 
you know, I couldn't find anything. And I remember Googling, looking up, like, can somebody tell me about postpartum? Can somebody tell me about these things? And I couldn't find anything. And I think that's also what led me to believe that like, well, this must just be what happens because nobody's talking about it. Nobody's writing about it. And there's a book for everything. So how is there not one about postpartum, like general help for postpartum? I didn't know. And I'm really grateful because now I open my Instagram feed and I can find those things. But three years ago, it felt like I was like totally lost in a sea and I would Google and there would be nothing and nobody would be talking about it. So on one hand, I felt like it was normal. Um, I felt like it was normal. And so I don't know, like in our particular circumstance, right? Like Mm -hmm. if there were people who could speak into it and see it, maybe there was, and they just didn't say anything. (laughs) It's hard to, it's something that everyone's experienced with. I feel like it's so unique. Mm-hmm. and so personal to them so I think it's um even when people are trying to be helpful sometimes it felt like even in our experiences it can be it's not necessarily that helpful because it's someone's very specific experience and how they yeah. got through it in the past and and it's like you know people don't know how to help and I didn't know how to mm-hmm. receive help so it's like people would ask to help by holding your baby and you know you could take a nap while they held your baby for you But that wasn't going to help because taking a nap, like if I took a nap, I would be awake all night. And if I was awake all night, I would have more obsessive thoughts because I was the only one awake in my house. And um, if I was awake all night, I wasn't getting deep sleep. Like I should be getting, you know, that three hour, that that three hours that I could be sleeping, I wasn't getting because I was still having these obsessive thoughts. And then I was taking a nap. So it wasn't helping me sleep and it would just be a vicious cycle. And so I would always say no to those things. Um, but I didn't know how to say, oh, but do you know, it would really be really helpful if you came over and just sat and we didn't talk, (laughs) right? Like I don't, I don't want to expel energy. Um, but I also like things, some things that are nice is like, can you just be here and be present with me? But like, I don't really want to talk, you know, but also I was like too afraid to, you know, impose that upon people because that's not the thing that they were suggesting to do. The thing that they were suggesting to do was to hold my baby for me. Um, But what I really needed somebody to suggest was 10 different things. And I think that's really helpful to think through and to to try to understand. Um, It can be hard on the outside to try to have be helpful. And I think that's great advice. Yeah. Is there something from your, from your postpartum experiences that you feel like, you've learned you've taken away from those experiences I think that one of the really hard things the first time around is being confident in your choices I remember one time asking on Instagram I made a post and I asked when Jude was I think four or five months old I started thinking about like sleep training because I was like what is sleep training I've never heard of this all I've read is baby wise and it's really strict and I don't know anything about sleep training but I know that I want sleep um And so I remember making this post on Instagram, asking people like, did you sleep train? Did you not sleep train? What method did you use? Did you cry it out? Did you co-sleep? How did you sleep with your baby? What happened? And just like asking people, like genuinely, like I had nowhere to go. I didn't know what to do. I just wanted like somebody's advice on this, but like I wanted multiple like um, people's advice. Like I didn't just want like 
this is how I did it and it worked and that's it. You should do that. Yeah. So I remember like a lot of the feedback was like, it wasn't helpful. It was all feedback that was like, well, make sure you don't do this and don't let your baby cry. And I let my baby cry for four hours and they turned out fine. And there was like all of these responses, but 90% of the responses were rooted in shame. Yeah. And I was just genuinely like, I just need somebody to like give me advice and help me um, and like show me my options. And it didn't feel like anybody could do that. It just felt like everyone was like, well, you better not do this because this will be the outcome. And if you do this, this is the outcome. And I wouldn't do this because I feel a certain way about something. And nobody gave me the space to say, like, you know, nobody responded with, here's a bunch of different options. Do what feels right for you. Um, and I think that also created a lot of anxiety in me because I felt like I wasn't being confident in my choices because nobody told me I could be confident in my choices. And I think just hearing that feedback is so helpful as a first time mom of like, you be confident in your choices. Um, I remember being at Jude was nine months old and I was at Haley's, my friend Haley's bachelorette party and her older sister was there. Kelly was there. And we had this conversation about sleeping and you know, Kelly was like well, telling me about her experiences and how she made it work and what they did. And this, she had just had her second baby. Her second baby was born a month after June. And so we were just talking back and forth about these things. And I said, like, I just don't know what to do. And she told me, do what feels right for you. And that was the very first time nine months in that somebody had told me, do what feels right for you. And I think that that was the first time, and this is probably why my anxiety started to let up right after at 10 and a half months when I took the Ativan. I think I started to realize that I didn't need to feel pressured to do something a certain way. I didn't need to feel pressured to do something by the book. Um, All the things that were creating anxiety was this fear of not doing it perfectly and I was going to bring harm to my child and people really like feed that fear by, by telling you all the things that could possibly go wrong. And it's probably in, you know, they probably mean well, but for a first time mom who is not confident in their decisions, that is not helpful. Yeah. Um, and so when Kelly told me, do what feels right for you and your family, that was the first time that I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that. And then I started slowly doing that and things felt easier, right? Like, his sleeping felt easier when I just felt like I was doing the thing that we should be doing that was working for us and not just trying to like get my kid to sleep through the night by letting him cry it out. And maybe that works for other people and that's great. That's not what worked for us. And so, you know, I finally leaned into doing what was right for us. And I think that that in my postpartum journey, had I learned that sooner I would have felt so much better. And I think that there would have been like a release of a lot of anxiety for me. Um, And I think that's what I've done with Luca is this is what works for us. Um, You know, being in a pandemic and staying at home, this is what works for us and our family. This is what, how we feel we need things to be. And I've leaned into those choices and I've made harder boundaries and stricter boundaries than I've ever had to make because I know now I feel more confident 
and things flow better in our family when we just decide to do the things that work for us. And I think it's truly led to an ease of a postpartum experience doing that thing, doing the thing that makes it easiest for us and that we feel like is the healthiest choice for us. Yeah. I think that's great. And I think, you know, it's, you're right. People always, they always have really strong opinions about do this, do this, do this. And sometimes I remember feeling like people would share things like, if you sleep train your baby, your baby will grow up to be a serial killer. If you don't sleep train your baby, your baby will grow up to be a serial killer. And you're trying to weigh as a parent, like those two things. And I think you're right. We hit our stride as parents. I think I saw it with you more than anything else. The moment you were empowered to make those decisions, it clicked. Parenting clicked in a whole new way. That experience clicked in a whole new way. And I think that's exactly right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, those, the rest of his like baby time from that 10 and a half months to 18 months, that like baby period still, I think that when I was leaning into that, I felt like that was the most joyful time. And I loved that stage because it finally felt like I was leaning in and being okay with the choices that I made and how I did things. And my anxiety was relieving and, you know, who's to say it wasn't just because my hormones were settling or whatever that Ativan really helped me to clear up my thoughts and, um, like maybe rebalanced me, um, and my hormones and, you know, my synapses and things like that. But it could have been a combination of all of these things. Right. Yeah. It could have been a lot of things, but yeah, I do think that the combination of the Ativan the thinking more clearly, the somebody finally telling me do what works for you. Um, I think all of those things really led me to finally feeling like myself and finally being able to flourish in motherhood. And I think I can attribute so much of my postpartum just feeling good and feeling clear headed. I still have moments where there is an intrusive thought, but because I know how to combat them now, um, I think that I handle it better. And I totally think that there probably could have been an in in which I felt the anxiety the same way I felt it with Jude. And I've been on edge about that a little bit just because I don't want to have to experience that again. It was not pleasant to experience. And so I think that with Luca, I've been on edge more about it and been more aware. Um, Are you describing the anxiety of of having anxiety, that you're anxious about being anxious? No. More so, like, I'm, like, on edge ready. Like, ready to, yes. like, fight my anxiety. Yeah, gotcha. You're prepared. Uh-huh. Um, so I think that, you know, just the prep work beforehand and then – Now, with the tools that I have, I think that I'm more prepared and more um, just skilled at handling intrusive thoughts. And so I think to somebody who was preparing or who was pregnant and, you know, who is pregnant, um, I think that I would say do the prep work. Um, I think I talked about this a little bit with Natal, but I think the prep work mentally for postpartum is so much more important than anything else. Um, you know, 
birth is great. Birth is amazing. Your, your body is going to give birth. It's going to happen. Um, whether they, you know, whether you have a belly birth or you have a vaginal birth, the birth will happen. Um, it might be a little traumatic if you're not totally prepared for it, but it's going to happen. Um, with postpartum, we don't stop to think about what it's going to be like, even though postpartum takes place over the course of many years, pregnancy, nine months, birth, a couple days, two hours, then postpartum is this long journey. It's not just a moment. It's, it's years. Um, you know, things that you dealt with in postpartum can like go with you. Um, years later, you can still look back on that and it can be traumatic. Um, you're, if you have anxiety or depression that's undealt with, it can stay, you know, you can, you can have it for a really long time. It doesn't just go away if your hormones rebalance. Sometimes depression sticks and anxiety sticks. Having a plan for your postpartum experience, having very specific things that you know will help you, I think is the most important part. Like for me, one of the really important things is like having my waterfall and you know that. And so you're, you know that you're expected to fill my water and make sure I have water. And that's so my I job. Don't feel, get the water. Get the water. That's a really important thing for me. And so I don't feel like, like it's a demand of you because we have an understanding that like, I know, you know that I need water when I'm nursing and like, there are just times where I'm like, I need water. <laughs> I don't know what this right. is, but I need water right now. And so especially like early on, you would just run downstairs and get my water and bring it back up. And so that was super important to me. But that was one of the things that I wish I had known with Jude how to communicate that in a way. Yeah. I was afraid I was being too demanding and all these things. But now this time around, I knew like we communicated that beforehand. And I think that that having a plan and knowing those things that you're going to need are really important. Um, and it goes along with just, you know, making the decisions that are good for you and good for your family. For us, it was, it's been really good to have a postpartum plan where you know what you're going to need. Um, you know, like, you know, the first week that Luca was born, you would wake up and help me with like diaper changes and stuff like that. But after that, I was like, okay, I need you to go to sleep because you have to get up with Jude and I'm not going to get up with Jude in the morning. But the first time around, I was like, oh, you need to wake up. I'm awake. You're awake. I'm nursing this baby at 2 a.m. You're, you're awake with me. And now this time, you know, uh, Jude, I'm like, no, no, no. You go to sleep because you're getting up at 6 a.m. So. And I love it. So. You guys can watch your prices right together and your let's we make will. a deal. And our, and our let's make a deal. And we will have a ton While of While I sleep in. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. So I think, yeah, having a plan um, and that plan includes doing what you know is best for you is probably yeah. my postpartum wisdom to impart on somebody else. I think that's great wisdom. You know, I'm no expert by any means, but I think that's, that's, that's great advice in general. So thank you for sharing a little bit about your journey and your story for, for the people listening to get to hear to know you a little bit better as the host. And I'm just struck by in general, how great I think this project is. I'm so thankful that someone 
I can only imagine how helpful this would have been for us three years ago. Uh, and so hopefully someone can get some help, some can see in this some help for themselves. So thank you. Yeah, thanks for interviewing me. If you're struggling with symptoms of postpartum depression, anxiety, or rage, I encourage you to talk about it with someone who feels safe. Your partner, OB, or pediatrician may be good places to turn to express your feelings. Feel free to visit my Instagram bio for other resources at Speaking Postpartum. And if you're feeling any feelings about hurting yourself, please call the National Mental Health Hotline at 1-800-662-HELP.